And so from Mark chapter 2, verse 23, through chapter 3, verse 6, we read these words about the life of Jesus. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. And the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read the scriptures? What David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was the high priest. And he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people made to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. And so the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Jesus went into the synagogue again and he noticed a man there with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, Come, come here and stand in front of everyone. And then he turned to his critics and he asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? And they wouldn't even answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. And then he said to the man, hold out your hand. And the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Good morning, Refuge family. Uh, yeah, we're continuing our teachings in the Gospel of Mark. Last week, we talked about Jesus as the Lord of Sabbath and King of Mercy. And if you remember, we observed how Jesus set Sabbath observance aside, and he did this in order to fulfill his mission to bring mercy and rest to suffering humanity. Mark clearly highlights this for Jesus' followers. It's an exhortation to the church to not put off mercy and justice in the name of religious observance or law, but to pursue it continually as a sign of the kingdom of God. This is what God's kingdom is like. There is no law or religious observance that gets in the way of God the king doing mercy and doing justice. I love that. But I think that it would be amiss if we left the subject of Sabbath there. To begin talking about Sabbath, I think we need to talk about our Christian culture's rejection of it based on not understanding Jesus's teaching in Mark. 
Many modern Christians have taken this passage as Jesus rejecting or opposing Sabbath. Many well-meaning Christians note Jesus didn't keep the Sabbath, and the New Testament never explicitly teaches Sabbath observance. But as I pointed out last week, in this passage, Jesus isn't anti-Sabbath, but is clearly showing the misinterpretation and abuses of it in his own day. Jesus' point is to uh, correct Sabbath observance and not to set it aside. As Jesus said, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. That is its intended purpose, and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Now, Christians are clearly not obligated to keep Mosaic law. So does that mean that we are free then from keeping Sabbath? And I think it really depends on what we mean by free. First, the Sabbath shows up long before Mosaic law. Sabbath shows up in the creation account. It's before what we call the fall, where Adam and Eve rebelled against God, and there were consequences to that rebellion. It's before sin comes into the world. It's before there is ever a need for law or law-keeping. And it seems, in this context, to speak more about human well-being and a way of life rather than a religious observance or day off for the Jews. So let me ask this, what if by Christians rejecting Sabbath keeping, we have actually cut ourselves off from part of what it means to be human, part of what it means to be made in the image of the God who rests on the seventh day? So what I want to do this morning, I simply want to ask, what is Sabbath? How do we pursue it well, excuse me, why we need Sabbath and how we observe it well. So first, what is Sabbath? What is it really? What is its purpose? Now, there are a handful of key passages on Sabbath for our study and consideration, and I encourage you to go and do your own study. These passages are Genesis 2, 1 through 3, Exodus 16, Exodus 20, 8 through 11, Deuteronomy 5, 13 through 15, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, and finally Hebrews 4, 1 through 16. These are the verses that I consider. There are other verses in scripture, but this is what I pulled from. We're going to talk just about a few pieces of each of these. We don't have time to do a whole deep dive on Sabbath, but first, the first mention of Sabbath is found in Genesis 2. It says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Now, I, my intention is not to, to milk every part of each of these verses. I just want to pull out maybe one thing from each of these passages. The ancient rabbis taught that on the seventh day, God created menucha. It means rest in Hebrew. And it's tranquility, it's serenity, peace, and repose. It, it's truly rest in the deepest sense of the word and implies some of a healing stillness. Until the Sabbath, they said, the creation was unfinished. Creation, the work itself, was incomplete without 
rest. And only after the birth of Manuah, only with tranquility and rest, was the circle of creation made full and complete. It would seem here, then, that Sabbath is about finding contentment in life and enjoying the work that we have cultivated and accomplished. I think sometimes we miss this when we read this passage. It's almost as if God has created this garden scene, man and woman to rule over the creation, and then, like a painter who has finished his masterpiece, he steps back to just behold the beauty, just to take it in, and just to revel in it. I think so many times we, as, as those who work, we miss that. We, we spend so much time investing even in our children and disciplining them and making sure that they're walking in the right way. But how often are we just, today is a day to just enjoy the work that we have done, the work that we have invested in. We're just going to enjoy family. We're just going to enjoy the fruits of our labors. I believe that this is what God did on that day, like an artist stepping back from his canvas to behold and delight in the work that was done. Next one. Last week I mentioned the Sabbath command found in the Ten Commandments. It was a legislated, merciful day of rest from Yahweh. It was given to Israel as an act of mercy to give rest to all within Israel's society. We remember from the rich to the poor, from the powerful to the weak, the insider and outsider, all the way down to even your animals. But reading the commandment, it seems that Sabbath is more than just a day off. It seems to be more about following Yahweh's own pattern and rhythm because Moses gives that command about who it's for. It's a day of rest, but he ends it saying this, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is within them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So Sabbath seems to be that we are imitating God himself, that we aren't just to go our own way and make our own paths or we're not something else, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but it's about aligning our rhythm with the rhythm of the God who created us, the God who made us in his image. We are to image him. We are to observe his way and be like him. When Moses introduces Sabbath to the next generation of Israelites found in Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15, here he ties the Sabbath directly to freedom from slavery. He says this, Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Here, Sabbath observance is an act of resistance and a declaration of freedom. It's saying we are more than the products that we produce. And this had a very practical observance for Israel. They were to remember their slavery and their salvation from it by physical rest by not doing anything on the Sabbath. Now, when we come to the New Testament, we see that true Sabbath is found in finding rest 
being with and learning from the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus Messiah. Mike gave a translation of this this morning for our call to worship, but I'll read it out of the NLT. It says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and I am gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is a light one. Finally, the writer of Hebrews shows us that Sabbath is about kingdom anticipation. From the beginning, Sabbath was pointing to the rest of the new creation. It wasn't just about a day, but it was about the kingdom of God. So it's about observing, anticipating, and looking forward to the rest that the people of God will enjoy for all eternity in the new creation through the finished work of Jesus our Messiah. If I could sum up what Sabbath is, I would say it like this. Sabbath is a sanctuary in time and a disposition of the heart when we set aside all our weekday concerns and devote ourselves to rest and spiritual enrichment. It's an act of resistance against our consumeristic, product-producing, discontented culture. It is to rest physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritual spiritually excuse me it's to remember the things of god his nature and his presence his provision and blessings it's a day to renew through feasting resting and worship and play it is a practice anticipation of the new creation and it's supposed to last a whole day, 24 hours beginning at sunset and going into night and then to the next sunset. And I would just say this, if in your mind Sabbath is a bummer, if in your mind Sabbath is like this restriction on your joy, then you have totally and completely misunderstood Sabbath. Sabbath comes from the heart of our Father who wants to bless us, who wants to see us flourish. And he knows because he created us. Creation itself was incomplete without the Sabbath day of rest. And so I encourage you to think on this, to mull this over, to search the scriptures yourself. So that's what the Sabbath is. But why do we need Sabbath? Well, we need, first of all, the healing rest of Sabbath. So many Christians for too long have objected to Sabbath observance, but have you ever stopped to realize that God put this command into the bedrock of his society? It's part of the Ten Commandments. And normally when we look at the Ten Commandments, we take these very, very seriously. You shall not murder, you shall not have any other gods before me, you shall not make a graven image. Honor your father and your mother, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not bear false witness. I mean, these are, again, the bedrock of society, but within that we have this command. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And we're like, nah, not that. We don't need that, we don't need rest. That, that maybe because we don't see how it matters morally or how it fits with all the others. 
But do me a favor, next time you are out with your mask and keeping your social distance, walk into Barnes & Noble or browse Target's book section or stay at home and search Amazon for health and wellness and you will find an endless amount of books written on the subject of rest, stress, anxiety, burnout, and fill in the blank. It goes on and on and on. Why? Because to rest is part of what it means to be human. And God has been telling us from the beginning and our human hearts are endlessly searching for this rest, but only Jesus can bring us this rest, the rest that we truly long for. We need the healing rest of Sabbath. Our culture knows it. We know it personally. And yet we, we, we balk at this idea of Sabbath. Maybe of calling it that, I don't know what it is, but this is what we're looking for. It's fascinating to note that many of Jesus' healing miracles were performed on the Sabbath. Maybe scripture is trying to communicate something to us, that the Sabbath is a time for healing, both physically and spiritually as we commune with the Lord of Sabbath. It's a time to restore both body and soul, an observance of the day when God will make all things new and heal our broken and tattered bodies forever. We need the healing rest of Sabbath. Secondly, we need the counterformation that Sabbath brings. Many neglect to rest or do not have the opportunity to rest given the patterns uh, of their own personal lives. And as we've seen with the advance of technology, people can work anywhere at any time. In 2014, The Economist reported that 60% of people who use smartphones are connected to their offices for 13.5 or more hours a day. That was 2014. Enter worldwide pandemic, shelter in place, stay at home order, work from your house. I wonder what that number is today. We are connected to technology now more than ever before. And talking to many of you, there seems to be no healthy borders in place between work and personal life because most of our work it, is in within the midst of our personal life, right? We're like doing office work. We're closing deals and doing all this from our bed, in our bedroom with our door locked so our toddler doesn't come in and spoil the deal. I mean, it's like, wh where are the lines? Where are the clear lines between work and personal life, between work and rest? When, I wonder, was the last time that you turned off your phone for a few hours? disconnected from technology for a day, spent time in your yard just to enjoy the sounds of nature, went on a walk just to process your life, took time to really talk to your spouse, to really talk and connect with your children or your roommate or friend, to talk with Jesus. When was the last time that we prioritized these things, that, that we just disconnected? When was the last time you sat down to read for the simple pleasure of it? When was the last time you intentionally, even defiantly, did some act, set and relaxed, pondered, stopped, to take in the view, an act to show that you are not a slave to your work or to our consumeristic, slavish culture? 
In a fast-paced society like ours, we don't often take that time to stop and consider how our rhythms and priorities are shaping our identities and values. And we have talked extensively about this at Refuge. A day off is usually a time to either wear ourselves out in pleasure or to catch up on errands, things around the house, yard work, or binge watch, you know, something that we've been wanting to get to on Netflix. Where is time for reflection and contemplation, for focused gratitude, for true rest? See, when we set time aside, and that's what Sabbath is, it's to make time sacred. When we set that time aside to consider God, his provision and blessings, who he has made us to be, to consider and enjoy the fruits of our labor, it is transformative. It changes us. It brings this true rest to our lives too. We're not so hurried in the ways that we don't, with the people that we don't want to be hurried with. What a shame if our children, when they grew up and moved out of the house, had that view of us. My dad was always too hurried to talk to me. He was always in a rush. He felt so anxious all the time. Those are the ones that we want to give our attention to, to our spouse, to our children. We need unhurried rest to be able to do that, to give of our true selves to our family to our loved ones, to our friends. See, how we treat our bodies that have been made in the image of God matters. How we live within the creation matters. It's no wonder that we've raped the earth. We've stopped stopping to take it in, to enjoy it, to appreciate the beauty and glory, the transcendence of the creation. We're so busy filming it on our phones, taking a photo of it rather than just taking it in. How we see ourselves matters. We are not created according to the the creation narrative. We're not created as slaves made to do God's work, but we are created as image bearers of God, fellow laborers with him in his kingdom work, and that matters for what it means to be human. How we live out that message can make a huge difference even in our society. We need to be a people of unhurried rest. Walter Brueggemann in his book, Sabbath as Resistance, said this, and I want to contemplate this for the rest of my life. He says, in our own contemporary context of the rat race of anxiety, the celebration of Sabbath is an act of both resistance and alternative. It is resistance because it is a visible insistence that our lives are not defined by the production and consumption of commodity goods. Such an act of resistance requires enormous intentionality and communal reinforcement amid the barrage of seductive pressures from the insatiable insistences of the market with its intrusion into every part of our life, from the family to the national budget. But Sabbath is not only resistance, it is alternative. It is an alternative to the demanding, chattering, pervasive presence of 
advertising and its great liturgical claim of professional sports that devours all our rest time. The alternative on offer is the awareness and practice of the claim that we are situated on the receiving end of the gifts of God. Man. Church, think on that. Sabbath is both resistance and alternative. It's an offer from God to live differently, to receive his rest, to receive this precious gift from him. Lastly, we need the reminder of Sabbath, or excuse me, we need Sabbath for the reminder of God's grace in physical ways. Sabbath observance forces us to remember that we are in every way recipients of God's mercy and grace. This is from Lynn Babb in her book, Sabbath Keeping. She says, the Sabbath teaches us grace because it connects us experientially to the basic truth that nothing we do will earn God's love. As long as we are working hard, using our gifts to serve others, experiencing joy in our work along with toil, we are always in danger of believing that our actions trigger God's love for us. Only in stopping, really stopping, do we teach our hearts and souls that we are loved apart from what we do. Sabbath helps break the endless cycle of doing and finding our identity in our activity. Sabbath helps us to practice and prioritize being rather than doing. Being with God, being with others, being at home with ourselves, simply being human. You know, when the shelter-in-place order first began and everything was beginning to kind of roll out with this pandemic and we were no longer meet in person, have our gatherings, and I was no longer able to do counseling in person. I really had a moment where I was struggling with exactly this. I was finding so much of my identity in what I was doing, what I was doing for you, what I was doing for my family, what I was doing for God. And I, I really had to take a moment to just stop and, and search my heart and bring it before God and came back to this moment, whatever I am or whatever I thought I was, you know, O oh Lord, I'm yours. I belong to you. I'm a recipient of your grace. We need that reminder again and again, and the Sabbath helps us to remember that. Sabbath is a physical and practical way that we say, I am not a slave. I am a recipient of grace. My health and healing matter. My body matters. I was made to enjoy life. And lastly, I am more than the products I produce. My employee, my neighbor is more than the products they produce. And lastly, how can we observe Sabbath well? I would encourage you to do your own homework. There is a list of books and articles and great practices, and we'll be rolling some of that out uh, the rest of this week. But I would encourage you as an individual or a member, as a member of your family, seek the Spirit. Ask the Lord, Lord, where do I need rest? 
Where have I ignored much needed rest in my life? Because really this is about, this is between you and God. This is between your family and God and you collectively or individually, you need to seek the leading of the spirit in this regard. But I would begin with that question, where do I need to focus first? Where do I need rest? And I would encourage you, take small steps. Like, don't, like next Friday we're gonna do the full Sabbath meal, we're gonna light a candle, no technology, 24 hours, don't do that. You will totally blow it. You won't be consistent with it. This is my experience. I need to take small steps because trying to do everything all at once rarely makes for healthy growth in the long run. And so I'd encourage you, do it little by little, incrementally, but move toward Sabbath keeping and rest. Sabbath observance is about ceasing from our normal labors, but be careful that it doesn't become a day that kills joy. That is always the temptation. I remember years ago, my grandma and my grandpa, they were avid Sabbath keepers. And I remember on one Sunday, I, after going to church and worshiping, I planned to go to the beach with my dad and to surf and just to enjoy surfing and the creation. And my grandparents were like, absolutely not. It is the Sabbath. And I was so confused. Like, why can't I do something joyful on the Sabbath? And sometimes we have this idea, again, it's, it's all about ceasing. But it's not, the Sabbath is, I would say, first and foremost about joy. It's about joyful rest. And so let that be your guide. Wayne Mueller in his book, Sabbath, Finding Rest, Renewal, and Delight in Our Busy Lives, he says this, the idea that by saying no to making some things happen, deep permission arises for other things to happen. When we cease our daily labor, other things like love, Friendship, prayer, touch, singing, rest. These can be born in the space created by our rest. Walking with a friend, reciting a prayer, caring for children, sharing bread and wine with family, friends, and neighbors. That's the idea of Sabbath. Again, joyful rest. And so, I think just a few questions that are good to ask and then four principles to leave you with in observing Sabbath. Good questions to ask. Number one, what brings refreshment to your life? It might be something different than what brings refreshment to my life. For some of you, gardening brings refreshment to your life. That's the last thing I wanna do on a Sabbath, right? But if that's you, great, do it. So what refreshes you? What brings joy what brings gratitude, and especially what brings worship? What what brings this worshipful gratitude towards God who has given us incredible gifts, like family, like food, like the beauty of creation? Focus on those things, what brings grateful worship. Talk to other Christians or members of our church and leadership to get ideas of how to observe Sabbath well, but I'll leave you with these four principles in observing Sabbath. Number one, take time captive. Cease from your normal day-to-day routine. Make the time sacred. Observe and practice unhurried rest. Number two, remember who you are. It is a day to remember created by God, 
made in his image, made for fellowship with him, saved by grace, not by works, loved supremely. Number three, enjoy what you have. The Sabbath is not a day to go shopping, to hit the mall, to hit the discount. That's not what it's for. It's a day to enjoy what God has already given. You have so much. We all have so much. It's a day to be content, to be thankful, to rest and revel in God's provision with friends, with family. Celebrate that together. And lastly, seek the presence of God. Seek to be with the Lord of the Sabbath because I would say if Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, is not central to this day of rest to you, you are not doing Sabbath. It's a day off, it's something else, but it is not Sabbath and it will not bring the rest that your soul longs for. So on that day, make time to cultivate unhurried intimacy with Jesus and with your Father through the Holy Spirit. Church, I truly believe that this will radically change the dynamics of our lives. It will bring us the rest that we need. It will be counterformational in our culture. But we have to do it. We have to make time for it. It will be a huge reminder of God's grace, and it will change the dynamic in the way that we interact with God as our loving and gracious Father who sent his Son, not by works that we have done, but when we were far away, he saved us. The Sabbath will will do a deep and powerful work in our lives. And so, church, I commit you to the Holy Spirit and to his leading and guiding in this. And so pray with me. We pray, gracious God, in six days you created all things, and on the seventh day you finished your work by resting. You also blessed and hallowed this day. You set it aside as a day of rest, and so teach us, Lord, what this means for us. We don't want to just take laws and rules and just apply them to our lives. Lord, we want, to, we want to have a conversation with you. We want this to be personal. And so help us, Holy Spirit, to hear from you what you might be saying to our hearts and specifically to our lives and specifically to our rhythms. Lord, may our work, excuse me, may our lives not primarily be formed by the demands of our work or by the expectations of our culture or the compulsions of our feelings, but may our lives be formed by you and for you, by your example and by your truth. And so speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. 